As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. So, spoiler alert for today's classic episode. Uh, We learned a lot in the years since we first recorded this, and some of the things that we thought were crazy a few years back are, what would you say, guys? Not not so crazy. Not so crazy. That's exactly how I would say. For hey, sure. Hey, have you ever heard of the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program? Uh, this is around the time when Ben and, and Noel and I were learning about it. So, oh, ooh, yeah. Enjoy this one. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Greetings, listeners. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben. And this is Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Nice, nice. I like how it's a little bit different every time. Yeah. With the music as well. Uh, then it's it's different every time, and it's never a disaster. I saw something that I think is going to be a disaster recently on television, Matt. Yes. Uh, now was at- it mm-hmm. America's Got Talent? <laughs> Uh, it was close. It was, you know, I, I don't have cable, right? Okay. I do have Netflix and, uh, I'll sometimes watch things online on Hulu. So I was watching this thing on Hulu and Hulu has a bunch of commercials, right? Sure. Commercials for days. We had this one commercial that freaked me out a little, man. It was, uh, it was a McDonald's commercial. In this McDonald's commercial, they say, Oh, you love Coca-Cola? Well, guess what? All Coca-Cola is going to be $1, whether it's a small, a medium, or a large. I heard about that. Just $1. 
Now, I think of that more as a, a perhaps a health disaster for yeah. some people. Because uh, why would you pay a dollar yeah. for the small one? Yeah, is it uh, is does the same thing go with the water? I don't know. Oh God! I guess no one really orders supersized water. I do if I'm if I've got rehearsal for band. Mm-hmm. I go and I get the largest bottle of water I can possibly get, and then I use it for the next couple weeks until I feel the plastic has been used enough. Starts to taste of plastic. Mm. Um, well, the disasters aside, and do let us know what you think about this weird Coca Cola madness. Um, those sorts of disasters aside, rather, you and I are here to ask a question that we have talked about in our video series uh, for years, literally, in many mm-hmm. different ways, right? Yes. Can humans, in some way, shape, or form, create natural disasters, or at least disasters that would normally be naturally occurring? Okay, so natural disasters, then. What what kind of stuff would that be? What would be a natural disaster? You're looking at everything from hurricanes to earthquakes. Uh, those are the two probably main uh, occurrences. Yeah. There are also... Tornadoes, tsunamis, right? It just anything you can think of that would be a natural disaster. Is there a way that a human could harness the power to make one of those? Like a volcanic eruption, right? Yes. We see that in science fiction or thriller uh, films sometimes where there's some supervillain who is setting out to, you know, make all of the world's volcanoes erupt at once or something. That's also where they keep their layers. So I, I'm a little yeah. confused about why they would want... The things that are right next to their lair to explode. I, yeah, I don't you know. You gotta find a good caldera or really the moon base is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we're differentiating here between things that would be man-made disasters. Man-made disasters would be things like a financial crash, you know, like the Great Depression. Um, a, in many ways, uh, a man-made disaster. Now, of course, I know a lot of people can write in and say the drought created uh the dust bowl um also financial handling by people in urban sit in urban environments and financial centers of the time uh their their behavior didn't help i think it accelerated it so we we do know that human beings have have it well within our collective grasp to make disasters for ourselves um well sure war War creates a type of disaster. Yeah, war. That's that's a great example. That's one of the best examples. Um, diseases that spread via humans that could be a disaster. Oh yeah. Uh, there, there, there are numerous things. Um, pollution sites uh, can be disastrous. Um, history class. Our our buddies over at Stuff You Missed in History Class have a couple of great podcasts about very strange disasters that have occurred, uh, such as a molasses flood uh, or a flood of, I think it was gin somewhere in London. It sounds familiar. I have, man, I need to catch up on that show. Human beings, let's just point out, human beings have a propensity for uh, making trouble and getting into hijinks, but... Aside from these things, the question is, if if humans could create natural disasters, and I like that you said in some way, then how would these things be created? Like how how what what's something that people bring up when they talk about this? The tools that could be possibly used to make these things. Well, 
One of the most popular ones is the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, or HARP. You've seen it before. You've seen it on YouTube all over the place. We've covered it many times. We just did another video on it. Mm -hmm. It's this research station in Alaska, in Gakona, Alaska, I believe. Yep. Well, that this is one of the main HARP stations. There are numerous stations that, uh, throughout the world that yeah, do the same like research. Yeah, but this is crown jewel that the... Air Force owns. Yes, and I believe it was the original uh, station, the Harp station. Mm. I'm not sure if that's correct. That we know about. Yes, uh, and it is unclassified. Right, yep. And it's run by the Air Force, I believe, I, I can't remember, I think the Navy had a hand in it at one point. In partnership with a couple of other mm -hmm. organizations, and currently it may be sold uh, to the University of Alaska if they're willing to come up with the, the scratch. Well, it's something like $5 million just to run the thing mm -hmm. for a year, mm -hmm. and that's just to make it work. And there, what, the, what HARP does is it shoots radio beams into the ionosphere, which is a, a way out-of-the-way place in the atmosphere that a lot of human beings really don't have any call to ever reach unless we're going through it on the way to space. Yeah, when you when you think about the ionosphere, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben, when you see, if you've ever seen the northern or southern lights, that's the, that's the, that's activity that's occurring inside the ionosphere when these charged particles are being activated essentially by the sun. Right, and HARP managed to, the, the HARP in Gakona, Alaska, managed to create the first recorded artificial uh, aurora borealis which was which was really neat i do have to say though there's a, a a little bone of contention i have with some of our youtube uh listeners said you know there are harp stations everywhere that's not correct there are ionospheric research stations everywhere they are not harp that's like saying you know that that's kind of like saying there's a toyota corolla in Gakona, Alaska, and there are cars in other places, so there are Toyota Corollas across the world. Okay, I see what you're saying. At one point before we continue here, now HARP itself closed down, but it's not unusual for it to close down. We have a lot of this uh, stuff in our video on HARP, our latest video, one of my favorite titles, uh, what, what the hell is going on at Harp? Yeah. Or what the hell are they doing at Harp or something like that? Something to that effect. Yeah. And, um, in there we talk about the Harp station. There are other ionospheric research facilities in the world, across the world, but they are not the Harp that we're harping on. Oh, wow. I know. I know. <laughs> well, there, okay. So this is the, I don't know what else I can say about this. Uh, it's just, it's fascinating to think. It kind of harkens back to the ideas of Tesla. At least that's what, what, that's what rings in my head when I think about Harp and testing the ionosphere and mm -hmm. what can you do with it. Although it has nothing to do with, well, at least to my knowledge, it has nothing to do with somehow connecting electrically to the ionosphere yeah. the way Tesla wanted to. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies 
personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think, it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Man, we're going to have to republish that Tesla video soon, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to do a whole new video on Tesla um, because uh, there's a lot of interest in it. And, you know, that was one of the situations where we found there really was perhaps some stuff they don't want you to know. And before we move on from the subject of Harp, we we should point out that, Matt, as you said, it's not... It's not a top secret facility like Groom Lake, you know, or like the, um, whatever is happening on Diego Garcia, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is a place where, uh, while it was open, scientists would be glad to give you knowledge. I'm sure there were some things that were classified, but they would, they would be glad to give you a look at what they were doing, talk to you about it if they had time. Uh, you, I don't know if you could just go up there and get a tour, but, it had a chain leak fence around it. It's not a high value target for a lot of people. The research that they were doing, if we understand it correctly, is to see how uh, changes in the ionosphere can affect communication. That's one of the big things. So this is big because it goes into stuff like how uh, an ICBM, an interco- intercontinental ballistic missile, would be able to guide itself or stay guided, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How radio communications could be altered or even satellite. And for it to affect the weather, what what we were finding is that it would have to be, just from the kind of equipment they have, it would have to be on a much more massive scale. Yes. And it, it seems like, it seems like at least the HARP facility there in Gakona was not large enough to really uh, you know, really shake the foundations of the earth and change the weather. But we have other ways of changing the weather and they're very old. They go back to like World War One and stuff, right? It's true. So, uh, what's the, what's the theoretical side? If, if everything we do know about harp that's publicly available is smoke and mirrors, smoke on the water, right? Yeah. Quote the oldie song. Then what, what are the theories about harp? So there are several. One of the main ones that you hear a lot is that it can somehow shoot an energy beam, a radio energy beam, into the ionosphere and then somehow change the direction or by angling that beam in a certain way to have it kind of arc around the Earth and then come back down in a certain spot. And then in that spot, the ionosphere, because it has a connection with uh, plate Earth movements, with uh, tectonic Tectonic movements, Um, well, at least the tectonic movements seem to affect the ion- ionosphere, right. which does not necessarily mean the ionosphere affects te- the tectonic movements. However, mm-hmm. in this theory, because of they've kind of aimed the ionosphere and changed it a little bit and sent it downwards into the Earth, it would create an earthquake in that position. Right. And we know that, as we said in our, in our videos, that uh, our uh, our buddies, Mahmoud Admanajad, and Hugo Chavez, I uh, do say that a bit sarcastically, both, um, both in 2010 alleged that Harp directly was involved with, uh, what was involved with creating natural disasters. I think Adminajad, as we say in our video, uh, blamed the Pakistan floods of 2010 on it and Chavez blamed the, uh, Haitian earthquake yep. on it. And, um, well, and, and yeah. you made a great point, Ben, that that one facility perhaps doesn't have the power to do something to that effect. Is it possible that there's a massive facility somewhere else? Or 
What if a lot of these ionospheric testing facilities are working together, Ben? Mm. Like, honestly, what if, what if there are several ionospheric testing facilities, say, there are a couple, uh, in Europe somewhere, there are a couple in Asia, a couple in the U.S., they all work together? Whoa, man. Not bad. Not bad idea. A networked disaster club, right? Highly improbable, but mm. it would be fascinating. Possible. I don't know. You and I haven't been everywhere. We'd have to go check it all out first. Uh, one thing that we do know that sounds crazy but is completely true, and we've covered this before as well, is weather modification. And this can relate to natural disasters, but walk with us here for a second. So you can shoot, turns out you can shoot silver iodide into the sky and although there are varying degrees of success, and there's a lot of healthy skepticism about this, uh, it seems that it has the potential to create rain clouds. Well, yes, but you, you certainly need the moisture in the air already right, in so, order to make it happen. And it's something like 40, I think the success rate was less than 40%. Yeah, yeah, less than 40%, more than five. Uh, they've been... They, being human beings throughout history, have tried to uh, work with this existing technology and find different ways to modify the weather. Uh, however, we know that when experiments began with it in the United Kingdom, uh, there were reports that it triggered flooding. We know that the largest weather modification network in the world, at least the one that the public knows about, is in China. And uh, there are people who have part-time jobs where they just shoot uh, silver iodide into the clouds and, and hope that this could, hope that this could somehow, you know, uh, provide favorable rain conditions for their local area. However, we know that when, when water gathers in one place, it comes from somewhere, right? So it's completely possible that weather modification past a certain threshold will create a situation in which we will see uh, an increase in things like drought or yeah. maybe uh, an increase in the frequency of flooding or things like that because we're messing with a system we don't understand. I know how B-movie that sounds, but it's true, which brings us to the other point. Climate change, man. Climate change, climate change. Uh, global warming, it used to be called, and somebody won the buzzword war. Yeah. Somebody bernazed it into... Uh, Climate change instead of global warming. Well, yeah, because it was so cold last winter, man. Mm -hmm. I use Bernays as a verb now. Uh, oh, you got Bernays? Yeah. I don't well, think it sounds... It sounds so, like a sauce. So this is a massive topic. This is a topic that I'm sure you, whoever you are listening to this, you have some uh, very strong opinions about climate change. Right. And... It's tough for us because, you know, Ben and I want to learn the truth, as, or at least as close to the truth as we can possibly learn. That's what this show is about, and we want to be able to tell it to you. The problem is when you've got these extremely strong opinions, no matter what you and I say or what even the science says, some people's minds will never be changed. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. 
It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Well, let's present the gist. Okay. Here's the gist. Uh, we've got one side which says that there's one side that says that human intervention is making a measurable impact in the world. The primary arguments for a lot of climate change stuff concern, uh, the effects of the human population on the atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. So CO2 emissions, uh, get caught up in this, but you'll also hear stuff about damage to the ozone layer. Um, the amount of pollution emitted by factories and by motor vehicles, factory farming. Right. I was going to say, and, and livestock, which are, uh, an, on our show, uh, one of our other shows, car stuff. We have a, we have a great episode about whether, whether cows or cars are more responsible for pollution. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really weird thing to walk through, but I recommend it if someone's interested in that. So what, what we have found is, um, what we have found is that for a long time, the people tied up in the research on this had a vested interest, in some cases, an agenda. There are cases where evidence that didn't fit an official narrative was repressed. Um, and in most of the cases that I've heard, this was evidence where scientists would say, well, uh, we have found this rise in temperature over this time. It correlates to factors X, Y, and Z. Therefore, we think that human beings are having an effect. And then the people who were funding the study didn't want to hear that. So they said, oh, okay, you know, go do the math again. Yeah. Just go do the math again if you want to keep your job. Uh, but then on the other side, we have, we have people who say that there is a concentrated active conspiracy to propagate this idea of enormous cataclysmic environmental change and that this, uh, this is happening because there is, um, this is happening because it's a way to scare people into giving up their means of production, uh, which would make it easier. A lot of these ideas are tied up into the uh, concept of a one world government, new world order sort of thing. The question then becomes one of scale. So the argument here against climate change is often, you know, human beings cannot do enough. We're not big enough, really, to affect the great machine that is the world. Um, you know, just like harp is not big enough, really, to affect the great machine that is the ionosphere. And yeah, and it's strange because there can be there can be some contradictory reasoning there. There can be people who don't believe that climate change is real, but do believe that harp controls the weather. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting cognitive dissonance. But one thing we do know is that when we ca- talk about scale, we're not just talking about amount of people versus size of the world. We're talking about time of people. So agriculture can cause climate change as well because we're changing the types of plants, we're changing the type of livestock that interact in a biome. So it's not necessarily a worldwide climate change, right? Uh, human beings can be possibly responsible for things like desertification, where the desert just starts eating places, right? Mm-hmm. And erosion. Human beings can clearly be responsible for erosion. Climate change is not just a matter of calculating pollution, right? Um, so... There's the other part, and I know I'm going on a rant here, Matt. It's okay. I'm letting there's, you go. There's another part here that comes in with this. Um, speaking of scale, the world's climate system is extraordinarily complex. 
we don't really know what's going on with it. Meteorologists are scarily accurate um, within, you know, the short term before or after stuff. Uh, but the further out you go, there are just so many variables that we don't really understand the system in which we're participating. And whenever there is a huge chance for unintended consequences, it usually means that there's not a clear cut, clean answer. But human beings on the whole have already been changing the, you know, the quote unquote climate, the, the way in which it's focused now, the way in which the debate is framed is designed to fool the, the average member of the public into just dwelling on one aspect of how human beings influence the world. And, um, could that create disasters? Maybe. I, I would just have to say, Ben, after listening to Bill Nye on talk on multiple things and people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and other other people in the field of science that I respect their opinions, I would say, because I am not a climatologist, I'm not a scientist, I didn't go to school for any of that. Uh, so it's difficult for me to really give an opinion that in any way matters, in any shape or form. Uh However, I would say that from what I've learned from them, the prevailing science says that that humans are affecting the overall biome and the climate on the Earth. Mm-hmm. And the conspiracy side would most definitely be that there are interests in the energy field that would rather maintain the status quo of, you know, burning fossil fuels in our vehicles and you know, having coal factories, uh, clean coal factories, large farms. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be the conspiracy side, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, I also I also think that at this point I haven't seen any compelling evidence of a attempt to fake global warming or climate change. I have seen compelling evidence of attempts to suppress. Uh, that, that sort of ongoing research. Um, and speaking of the interaction between business and science, uh, there's another thing that we did that we found out was a, uh, truth is stranger than fiction situation, right? Yes. The, in, in our attempts to extract as much oil as possible from the earth. Whoa, whoa. And natural gas. And natural gas. We've decided to come up with this thing called fracking. That's at least what we call it, hydraulic fracturing. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, it's a fairly simple, well, it's not a simple process, obviously. It costs a lot of money. It's complicated. But the idea is simple. You send down a drill into the earth, into rocks, and then you you force this highly pressurized liquid, which is hydraulic liquid and yeah, chemicals. It's like water, sand, a couple of chemicals, some, I think, methylenes or something enes. Yes. <laughs> and you force the, the rocks to break open. You frack those rocks right open mm-hmm. and that releases some of the natural gas that's trapped in there. And the uh, oil. Yeah. And the oil and all the great things that you can burn for profit. So there's an ongoing debate, you know, this, uh, this does pose a risk to groundwater, uh, because it is forcing things that are dangerous for human consumption into the ground and through deep. the water table, deep into the ground. And, um, 
the argument is there are safe ways there there are safe ways to do it. How do you do it? There are these wells wherein the used liquid is stored. Uh, there are also some fairly compelling studies that surprise breaking the breaking the rocks under the under the mountains, under the towns, under the cities and the fields, uh, that this can make the ground unstable. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, who who to thunk? And it can make well. It can. The problem is that um, we can only estimate how much uh, how much the effect would be in a lot of ways. So it is possible that fracking can induce earthquakes, which makes it a man-made natural disaster. Um, not the same way that harp or uh, going back to the network of ionospheric, uh, mm-hmm. which is diabolical. I love it. Um, if if it's not that same level, but it is it is possible, and in some cases, uh, people have already started tracing fracking to uh, earthquake events. I think specifically in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I have a question though about what what we have on our outline is the elephant in the room, Matt, which is human population and global development are more natural disasters occurring or natural disasters becoming more dangerous, more expensive, or is it just that there are more people in more places? Uh, can, can I just go with all of the above? <laughs> yeah, sure. Because, well, sure, there, are, if you look at the, the Haiti earthquake, uh, the recent Haiti earthquake, there are so many people living, uh, just a ton of people living in structures that are dangerous when there's an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how a lot of people get hurt. I mean, if you live in a place that is not prepared mm-hmm. uh, from a technology or uh, an infrastructure standpoint for this kind of natural disaster, if a hurricane rolls through or a giant tornado rolls through and the buildings in which a large group of people are living in are not prepared for that, then that's how you get disasters. That's how you get deaths, at least lots of deaths. So it's, Yeah. That's, I think that's a very good point. We have more and more people and they're increasingly moving to formerly inhospitable environments or environments that are trans, uh, transitioning to an inhospitable state now because of all the other people who are there. Uh, a lot of the air in India and China is filthy. Um, a lot of the contamination problems that we sort of kick the can down the road on for a few for a few decades, right? Are coming back to bite us because people are moving into those areas. And what what we're finding then is uh yeah, what we're finding are are some weird, ugly truths. One one of the questions that I was thinking about asking you is if you looked at it objectively, we're listeners Matt, if, mm-hmm. if all of us were aliens, right? And everybody who listened to the show uh, arrived on a spaceship to check out Earth. Would we think that humans were the natural disaster? Well, we'd probably think of them as a cancer of some sort. Uh, Joe Rogan has a great virus, speech. Yeah. yeah, when you he's flying over L.A. and just looking right before he got to L.A., he's looking at California and the beautiful... Just the way, man, this is an amazing looking sure. planet. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the there's, fields. yeah, the protruding gray, just nastiness and smoke 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ben, I, I you know I think about even the Matrix lines about humans <laughs> being a virus, right, and that yeah. stuff really resonates with me because I, I don't know, I I feel, I want to feel more connected to mm-hmm. the planet a lot of times, and most of the time I don't. I and I wonder if that's just something ingrained or something that we have done to ourselves that right. we've programmed ourselves to feel separate. Hmm. That's a good question. And that's sort of a, uh, in some ways that sounds like a, a cultural or psychological disaster. I, I, I think that what we're going to see over time is, is that if the technology does exist to create natural disasters, to, to create, you know, gigantic earthquakes, mudslides and so on, um, oh, another side fact, North Korea was mentioned as one of the places that was victimized by natural disaster when they had, uh, I think, a series of floods a few years ago. But if that technology um, did exist, it would be something that world governments and non-government agencies or organizations tried to at least have access to. We mentioned a quote several times, uh, once in What the Hell is Fracking and once in our video on Earthquakes, uh, that Secretary of Defense William Cohen talking about the possibilities of future war, including stuff like tailored viruses, right? Tailored uh, bugs. To take out a certain population. Right. Scary stuff. And increasingly... I won't say probable yet, but increasingly possible. And then we've got the other, the one of the other things he mentioned, and he's not the only one who mentioned this. Uh, foreign ministers in Russia mentioned this kind of stuff too. The concept of eco-terrorism, destroying, you know, which is a, which is an idea that goes way back to siege days, you know, when you could destroy your opponent's access to food or clean water, right? Or just throw, uh, plague bodies into the well, that yeah. kind of stuff. God. Um, Diabolical. Yeah, but now on a worldwide scale. At this point, we should probably go. It looks like our buddies from uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You or people are coming by the studio window and giving us the eye. Josh came by a second ago. Oh, geez. Yeah. All right. So we better get out of here. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We didn't have a sponsor for this. For some reason, uh, Illumination Global Unlimited decided – not to sponsor our episode. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was the it was conflicting interests. It was conflicting interests. Just for this episode. They'll mm-hmm. be back, though. Yeah, weirdly enough, we just got a weather report that says a big storm is moving in. What? Oh, oh man. Do you hear that? Yeah. We better. Well, Matt, where can people find us, hopefully? Well, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Conspiracy Stuff. You can. And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1 833 STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.